that's who we are as Christians. By our lives, we are drawing people to be reconciled to God, just as Christ reconciled us to God. This is season 10 of Guerrilla Christianity. My name is Pastor Brett Walker, and I want to thank you for listening to Guerrilla Christianity, an unconventional, no apologies exposition of God's grace from an evangelical Methodist point of view. And God's Word is central to all we believe, so let's get into God's Word right now. Our epistle lesson is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, the second part of, of verse 20 through chapter 6, verse 10. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also, that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses in stripes, in imprisonments, and in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying, and behold, we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For the season of Lent, we will be looking at Paul's post-resurrection writings as we prepare ourselves for the resurrection. Lent is a season of preparation, just like Advent. And what we are preparing for is a new birth in the resurrection of Christ. Christians throughout the ages have used these 40 days to prepare themselves to affirm their faith through the sacrament of baptism. We who are baptized recognize our hopeless state without the saving grace of God through the atoning sacrifice of Christ. Let us then take a journey through the path to redemption. First, we must recognize that the righteousness of God is beyond our grasp, apart from God's grace and salvation through the Holy Spirit. Next, we see that God extends this gift of grace to us freely. We see that our own righteousness is attained through the gift of faith that God gives to us and that by living in faith, we are righteous before God. That gives us peace with God, with whom we were previously 
at enmity. Our lives of faith produce faith as we bear the light of Christ into a world of darkness. And we find that when we live in the Spirit, increasingly we begin to be remade in the image of Christ and to have the mind of Christ. This is our Lenten journey from separation from God in our sin to being reconciled with God and having the mind of Christ. Let us prepare our hearts and minds now to receive this word. Let us pray. God of us all, as we hear your word read, may your spirit speak to our hearts. And may the truth of your gospel be administered to your people. Give us wisdom, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. As a child growing up in the Methodist church, I don't really remember uh, observing Ash Wednesday. I had a few uh, Catholic friends in school, and I knew what Ash Wednesday was. I didn't quite understand what its significance was. And I didn't understand why uh, the Catholics would observe this. When I returned to the church in 2008, it was after the institution of the 1998 Book of Worship. The Book of Worship uh, describes this service of Ash Wednesday in two ways. First, it reminds us of our mortality. We use the image of the ashes uh, like dust. In Genesis chapter 3, directly after the first sin, the original sin, uh, to Adam, God said, Behold, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground before, because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And so the first part of Ash Wednesday is that it reminds us of our mortality. It reminds us that we were separated from the tree of life by our sin. And so we use those familiar words that we use at funerals. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We return to the dust because that is from where we were taken. Ash Wednesday also emphasizes the separation of darkness and light. In Genesis chapter 1, we read that God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. In creation, we see that there is a separation between light and darkness. He sees the light and he sees that it is good. Prior to him declaring, let there be light, 
there was nothing but darkness. There was chaos. Darkness was upon the waters of the earth. And the Spirit of God hovered over those waters. In darkness, God declared, let there be light. He saw that it was good. And so all throughout Scripture, we see this dichotomy between light and darkness, between good and evil, between righteousness and sin. And so Ash Wednesday helps us to understand the separation of darkness and light. We're going to be looking throughout the Lenten season at Paul's letters. And tonight we start with his letter, his second letter to the church in Corinth. Now, this is the second letter that we have in the Bible. Um, from our understanding, uh, Corinth was a difficult church to administer from afar. Paul wrote at least two letters that we have recorded in the Bible and potentially two others because he alludes to those two other letters in his writings. All of these letters that he wrote were corrective in nature. He didn't write a lot of letters that said, hey guys, good job, keep it up, keep doing what you're doing. The letters that we have recorded to the church in Corinth basically say, stop it, stop it. You're not doing it right. And let me tell you why. And let me tell you why you belong to Christ. And because they belong to Christ, they are expected to live in a different way. So here in the middle of Paul's second letter, he is exhorting the Corinthians to be reconciled to God. That's the theme of our Lenten study, be reconciled to God. And so here is how he explains that reconciliation. I'm going to go back. We started with verse 20, but I'm going to go back to verse 14, where he says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. See, these verses explain very simply, that since Christ died for all, then all have died in him. And we see that in our spiritual rebirth. To be reborn means that at some point we had to die. We died to ourself, we are reborn in the spirit, and we are raised to new life in his resurrection. So Christ, since Christ is no longer regarded in the flesh, then neither are those who are in Christ. In his first letter to the Corinthian church, Paul writes, For consider your calling, brothers, 
Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, that the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. So we are no longer in the flesh, but we are in the spirit. And so he says, we don't know any man after the flesh, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet henceforth know we him no more. Now verse 17, therefore, that's a pivot point. When he says, therefore, he's summing up the things that he said before. So therefore, because we are no longer in the flesh, because Jesus died for all and all have died to him, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that's what it means to be reborn. To be reborn means we're starting over. We're starting brand new. And we are babes in Christ. We are a new creation. It's a pivotal verse that draws a conclusion. Therefore, those who are in Christ have died to themselves and are raised anew in his resurrection. Verse 18, all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. There's a lot there talking about the ministry of reconciliation. That's who we are as Christians. We're not separatists. We're people who draw people together and bring them back to the kingdom of God. We draw people by our lives. We are drawing people to be reconciled to God, just as Christ reconciled us to God. And so Christ's ministry was one of reconciling sinful man to God. In Romans chapter 11, we read, For from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be glory forever. Amen. So Christ's ministry was reconciling sinful man to God. And as the body of Christ that becomes our ministry too. It becomes our ministry to reconcile sinful man to God. How do we do that? We do that by living the life that we are called to live in Christ. And so in verse 20, he says, so we are then ambassadors 
for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. As Christ followers, as Christ ones, as Christians, we are ambassadors for Christ. We spread the good news. We tell people that Jesus died for their sins to reconcile them to God. And so he says, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So since Christ has entrusted to us his ministry on earth, then we are ambassadors for Christ. Therefore, our ministry is to be one of reconciliation as well. And how is this reconciliation accomplished? Through repentance and faith. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's how we are reconciled to God. Verse 21, a very famous verse and one that I like to quote from time to time. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Christ, who lived the perfect life that we could not live, became sin for our sakes, so that in him we may have his righteousness. In Isaiah chapter 53, we read, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I like how Todd Friel puts it. Jesus takes our rap sheet and gives us his resume. Jesus takes our sin and gives us his righteousness. How amazing is that? Although, although he had no sin of his own, he bore the fullness of the wrath of God on our behalf. And all this was done so that we could be reconciled to God, that having Christ's righteousness, we can be citizens of the kingdom of God. Now, verse, our chapter 6. We then, this is a continuation of the same uh, thought and so, we then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. How do we receive the grace of God in vain? By receiving it lightly and not living as those who have received it. We are saved to glorify God. If our salvation does not point to God, we are boasting in our own works. Verse 2, Paul says, For he saith... He's quoting now from the Old Testament. I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. He's quoting from Isaiah again. And Paul is underlining the importance of not putting off the salvation offered to us through Jesus Christ. Tomorrow is not guaranteed for us. I've heard it time and time again. You know, you, you, you share the gospel with somebody and they say, well, you've really given me a lot to think about. Well, don't think too long. Don't think too long. You don't know if you have tomorrow. You know, now is the time. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of your salvation. 
Do it now. Don't put this off. It's too important. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Now is the favorable time. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we read, To wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And that's what is hanging over us. That is what we are being saved from, is the wrath of God that we deserve, to be perfectly honest with you. We deserve it because we've sinned against him. Because he's a holy God who made us in his image. And we did not obey his commandments. But Jesus, who obeyed those commandments perfectly, bore our sin for us. Received the fullness of the wrath of God on our behalf. And reconciled us to God. Now, Paul runs through in verses 3 through 10 a list of how he has striven for the gospel of Christ, not in order to exalt himself, but rather to demonstrate that his striving has been in earnest on behalf of Christ. He is the example for us as to how we are to live into our salvation for the sake of the building of the kingdom. And we read in the Beatitudes how we are blessed when we are persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus reminds us that if people hate us, it's because they hated him first. And we are the ones who bear the name of Christ. And so the world's going to be opposed to us. And maybe that doesn't sound like a, a very enticing way to live. And it, maybe it doesn't even sound like very good news. But the truth is, we don't live for this life. This life is short. This life is over in a vapor. I don't care how long you live. I knew someone who lived 108 years on this earth. And yet she is spending eternity right now in heaven. Eternity. Not just 100 years, not 108 years, but all time. I love how John Newton writes it in his hymn, Amazing Grace. When we've been there 10 thousand years bright shining as the sun we've no less days to sing god's praise than when we first begun the first ten thousand years in heaven is just a short introduction to eternity <laughs> but so many of us live for this time on earth the suffering we endure we think it's too much and maybe for some people it is, and that's okay. But the suffering we endure on earth is ultimately for the glory of God. And it is our witness. It is our witness to who God is. The love of God is demonstrated for us in full on the cross of Jesus Christ. For our sakes, Paul says, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what it means to be reconciled to God, that we were made in the image of a holy God, yet we were separated from him in our sin. He made us in his own image from the dust of the earth, and when we die, we return to that dust, that dust. yet death is not the end for us. 
Christ died the death that we deserve so that in him we might have eternal life. So consider for a moment what Christ has done for you. The depth, the breadth, the height of Christ's love for you that he would willingly take your sin to the cross to reconcile you to God. And if you have heard this call to repentance and faith and resisted it in the past, then I urge you, now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. Lean into the love of Christ and be reconciled to God. Let us pray. Almighty, most loving God, our Heavenly Father, we hear these words of Paul today and we are cut to the heart. We know the sacrifice that Christ has made on our behalf. We know the love that you poured out on us by pouring out your wrath on him. We receive this grace with gratitude in our hearts and we desire to live lives that point to you, others to you and to your salvation. We pray for those who have not yet received Christ, who have heard the good news and yet still live in the world of darkness. We pray that they too would be drawn to your incredible light, that souls would be saved and that you would be glorified. As we enter into this season of Lent, we pray that your spirit would touch the hearts of those in this community, that others may come to know the reconciling love of Christ. This we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode. My hope and prayer for you is that today's teaching has blessed you as much as it has blessed me putting this message together. God has also blessed me by calling me to serve two churches in Salem County, New Jersey, Ebenezer United Methodist Church in Auburn and Hudson United Methodist Church in Patricktown. If you live in the area and don't have a faith community of your own, I'd like to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings. Ebenezer meets for worship at 9 a.m. and Hudson meets for worship at 10.30. We are Bible-believing, gospel-preaching, Christ-adoring congregations in the heart of New Jersey's farmland, and we also have Bible study during the week. Of course, if you don't live in the area, get involved with the church where you are. We are not called to be Christians in isolation, but in community. So I would encourage you to live out your faith with a group of like-minded believers where you are. Now, if our message today has touched you in some way, won't you please let us know Send us an email, drop us a comment, subscribe, and share this message with someone who needs to hear it. Keep learning, keep growing, and I pray you would join us for Guerrilla Christianity again. Until then, remember this, Christ died for you. Now go live for Christ.